Welcome back to another episode of Unapologetic Me Podcast. I am your host, Vidi, and thank you everyone who continues to support me, who continues to listen to my episodes every week. I really appreciate it because when I get those alerts and when I look at the analytics, as they call it, um, I'm almost like dumbfounded that people are still listening. (laughs) Even with how much of a mess this podcast, you know, has started off or I don't know. Um, like I mentioned in last episode, you know, I felt that I could have done better and I think I am finally doing better y'all. So, and the heat isn't anything new. However, the way that mother nature just basically told all of us to go fuck off for the last 10 days because it was horrific. It was bad everywhere. And I'm not just talking, you know, IE, you couldn't. I don't think there was anywhere besides the Costco fresh produce section where you would find any fucking relief in this heat to the point where I was iffy about at some point relocating from Southern California to somewhere else. Um, But I it truly cemented my, you know, decision to embrace a move. You know, at some point in my life, I would love to end up on the East Coast. If I have anybody listening from the East Coast, DM me. What am I going to get myself into? I know the snow is one of the the things that impacts the East Coast a lot. But besides all the bad stuff, I want to hear the good, you know, because I am just so I'm so over this heat. It's so debilitating. Uh, Some people thrive and that is great. If you thrive in the heat, congratulations. I do not anymore. Number one, because I'm fat. Number two, because I am no longer, I I no longer can accept 110 degree weather. I can't. Even coming from Hawaii and dealing with humidity, which is what we were dealing with the last couple of days. And I think it's still lingering. It did rain, you know, yesterday, day before. So it kind of bursted that humidity bubble, but I think it's just lingering still. Uh, Even though in the morning uh, when I got up, there was just the slightest of chills. And I swear to God, I was like, is this it? (laughs) Is this where we can take out the sweaters and our joggers? I swear I put on my joggers on, I think it was Friday, uh, the day that it was like raining in the afternoon. I was like, this is it. I'm going to put on my joggers. I'm going to put on my like my sweater, you know, shirts and just be so chill. And I was like. No, it's not that time yet. It was still hot. And my dogs, you know, lucky them, spend most of their time inside, which is great. It's fantastic. Um, Johnny and I work opposite schedules. Not opposite. No. He works weekends. I work during the week. The only day that the dogs are outside for their full eight-hour day is Mondays because we both work on Mondays. But other than that, they enjoy the... Agatha, can we stop with the licking, y'all, please? A little bit. Thank you. Oh, my God. I don't know if you can hear her. Hey, hey, ma'am. Uh-uh, get off. No, bye. Let's go. Get off. Off of the bed. Go take a nap somewhere else. I can't have you panting while I'm recording. Thank you. Oh, my God. I swear to God, sometimes these dogs. Okay, they finally relaxed. They are in their designated nap. 
places, finally. One of them got a hairball from licking the other. It's I, If you have dogs, you understand completely. So as I was saying, uh, they come inside in the AC and they've been inside. Like, I think Johnny at some point, he's like, I feel like a prisoner in my own home because there's really nothing you can do outside. Like, you can't even go outside. You couldn't go outside even just to get a nice breeze in the afternoon. Like, it was, it was horrendous. It was... It was horrible. You know, I mean, granted, I work in a place that has AC running all day. Um, but still, it's just like yesterday was the first day that my AC did not kick on until about 1.30 in the afternoon. And it was fabulous. So great, uh, especially for the bill, because these AC bills can get rather expensive, y'all. And like I mentioned in last week's episode, I was supposed to go to the gym. I have not. I have not. I thought I had finally inspired myself, but um, after listening to last week's episode, because I have to listen to myself talk at least two or three times before it's, it gets my seal of approval for y'all to listen to. Um, I, I think, <laughs> and I've said this probably a million times already, but I think, I think it's finally time. I think I need to jump back on this horse. And like I said, little steps equal big ones. Uh, and it, the weather finally is going to be good enough for me to start at least walking in the afternoons like I used to. So we can do this, y'all. Summer is basically over. And I think this is where we're all supposed to get back in the groove of things, you know, get back in it and build up that routine because we have a solid two months ish. Yeah. I'd say like we have a solid two and a half months before all of the festivities begin. Before we start getting invitations to Thanksgiving, before we start with the Christmas parties. And then, you know, it all just goes downhill after Thanksgiving. The week of Thanksgiving, I mean, everything's off the table. Everything. You enjoy that turkey. You enjoy that cranberry sauce. Uh, you enjoy those goddamn mashed potatoes. You enjoy it fucking to the fullest. And then on January 2nd, we'll circle back. We'll circle back to, you know, another inspiring, hopefully, episode where we all just kick it into high gear before dealing with these summer temperatures all over again. So today I'm recording this on the 21st anniversary of the September 11 attacks um, on the Twin Towers in New York. And it got me thinking about my soul city. And what I mean by soul city is I mean, have you ever gone to a place where you've never been before, obviously, but you go and for whatever reason, you just, you feel so at home. Like the sights the sounds like it just it brings you some sort of inner peace and like your soul is just so damn happy oh hi text message and for me that city was new york i went to new york in december of 2016 and i did that on purpose in december because i as you already know, I am a self-proclaimed 
you know, Christmas fan, Christmas whore, whatever you want to call it. I love everything about Christmas. I love what it stands for, what it brings to families. I love the traditions. I love the food. I love just the decorations. I love it all. Like it it's just if it could be Christmas town all year long. I know me and my cousin Lynette are just we're devastated that we weren't born in Christmas land. I'm sure it exists. I'm sure it's somewhere. Probably somewhere up by like the Arctic or something. I don't know. But if we could live there 24-7, we would love it. Like if there was a place where it was, it went from fall to winter and then back to fall again. Oh, my God, you would never see me again. You would never see me again because I would just, I would just love it. And New York, um, my love for New York began when I was a kid. I think I was about, I want to say eight years old when I first saw the ball drop. Uh, They were, of course, it was New Year's and I was watching it on TV and I was like, where is this place? And the countdown and then the ball dropping and just the ambiance. I don't know if they were playing New York, New York back then. I mean, I'm going to assume maybe they did back in 94, 93, 94. And then watching Home Alone, which I know is a movie that probably would never be able to happen nowadays. Like a kid cannot run around New York City alone and check into the Plaza Hotel. But back then as an eight-year-old watching it, I was just so intrigued and so mesmerized at the fact that this kid, this kid was living this life for like those two, three days, checked into the Plaza Hotel. The hotel that I hopefully at some point in my life will be able to stay at, um, at, you know, at least a couple of days or for the entire Christmas, like Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, up until New Year's. I know it's far-fetched, but I am such a manifester that I manifest that shit every chance that I get. I'm like, I am going to end up at the Plaza Hotel. I am going to be able to check in. I am going to be able to look out my window and see it just covered in snow for Christmas. And seeing that, seeing, you know, Kevin McAllister with his pizza and going to the toy store, it's just, for me as a kid, I was like, I want that. That's where I want to be. And that's where my love for New York happened. You know, there's a picture that my mom sent me of a drawing that I did of the Statue of Liberty. And I think it was one of those things where the teacher says, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I think I have to find it. But I think that paper says that I wanted to be a writer, but I was going to move to New York to do that. And it's just, it's an amazing city that brought so much joy and so much happiness to me for those five days that I was there. And to tell you that the second I stepped off that plane, I felt that feeling. Like, you know that feeling that you get when you come home from vacation? That, oh, I'm so glad to be home. Like, I'm so glad to sleep in my own bed. Just, just, just to be home, you, you, that feeling. That's what I felt when I went to New York. That was the feeling I got being there. 
And for whatever reason, I adapted to the city so fucking fast. Uh, we stayed at the Empire Hotel, which I believe was on 63rd Street um, next to one of the uh, Trump Towers. And it was across, uh, across the street was Central Park. Uh, we didn't go into Central Park because something had happened that day and we were like scared shitless. We're like, oh, we don't want to go to Central Park. But we walked. We, we did a lot of walking, a ton of walking, which is normal. You know what I mean? For us, it wasn't normal because we're like, oh, shit. Like, we have to walk. But the blocks aren't like, I mean, they're real blocks, but they're not long blocks, you know? And for whatever reason, because I'm not great with directions, okay? Don't tell me you're going to go north on here. No, no, no. Am I going this way or am I going that way? You know, don't bust out the north and the west and the east and the south and the... No. But for whatever reason... I picked up on those streets quick. I picked up on the number streets, on the word streets. It's not Houston, guys. It's Houston. Okay? If you're ever in New York and you see that street, remember that. It's not Houston. It's Houston. And I picked up on the directions so fast. And I pretty much guided us to where we needed to go. Johnny's like, uh, I think we have to go this way. I'm like, nope, we're going, we're going walk up this way. He's like, are you sure? I'm like, I am positive, dude. I am positive. This is my city. Me. I swear to God, lived there for like 20 years. And no, that was like my first two days there in the city. And we did everything. You know, we did. We took a red eye. I think the red eye we took on a Thursday night. And got we flew into Newark, New Jersey. Um, and we got in like, I think like six or seven in the morning. And we checked into our hotel. We didn't even change. We left the bags. And right away, we went down straight to Times Square. So Times Square is around 42nd Street. And we were on 63rd. Uh, so we walked down those blocks. And we, we purchased our tickets for the double-deckers. If you guys don't know, Times Square, uh, there's a bunch of people walking around trying to sell you like the double-decker tour buses. And at that time, this was 2016, we got the double-decker tours for all, I think it was like four boroughs of New York. It was 60 bucks for each of us, so 120, and we got to, we did the Brooklyn uh, tour, uh, the downtown Brooklyn tour with the tour guy that was just, he was fabulous. He was great, very knowledgeable. He hated he hates the island of Manhattan. He calls it the evil island of Manhattan. Uh, but when we were, got to Brooklyn, uh, that was like his thing. He was, a, he was from Brooklyn. You know, he had a lot of stories he was t- telling us. Uh, if, you're, if you know about Junior's Cheesecake in New York, very famous. He said, if you want to pay $8 for it at the evil island of New York, you can. Or if you want to pay three fifty for it here in Brooklyn, you can come to Brooklyn and get it. So he was very... Very knowledgeable, you know, he had the accent that I just absolutely love and took us through parts of Brooklyn, uh, showed us the Dumbo district, which I fully regret not taking advantage of Dumbo. And if you don't know uh, what Dumbo is, Dumbo means it's the down under the Manhattan Bridge overpass. There's a meaning to it, yes, it's not just Dumbo because it's dumb or something. No, which is what I thought. And I was like, why did they call it Dumbo? But no, it's 
uh, Dumbo means down under the Manhattan Bridge overpass. And if you're trying to get a, an idea of where Dumbo is, it's basically on the other side of the Brooklyn Bridge where photographers get those amazing skyline shoots, uh, pictures of the skyline with the bridge. They're, it's just, it's so mind-blowingly beautiful at night. And I totally, 110% regret not being a little bit more active on that part, on the aspect of let's go to Dumbo, let's stay, let's just cruise around, you know, the area. I heard there's a lot of good restaurants, a lot of good history there. Um, and we didn't walk the Brooklyn Bridge, which also big regret. But at the same time, it was okay. You know, I, I figured then I'm just going to leave this for our next trip to New York, which was supposed to happen in December. But things, things are a little bit scary everywhere, not just in New York. But, you know, you see it in, in New York, in Seattle. It's just, you know, I think the cities are trying their best to you know, clean up the mess and just get it back to, to its beauty, you know, to back to how people, you know, want to see New York and stuff like that. So they're working on it. We'll give them time. And hopefully I will be in New York sooner than later. I always struggle with wanting to go to New York for my birthday and for Christmas because I really want to see the fireworks. Uh, from the Hudson for 4th of July. My birthday is in June. My birthday is a week before 4th of July. And uh, I'm always like, I want to go for my birthday. But at the same time, I'm like, do I want to deal with that heat? With that damn humidity? I mean, it, I know we'll be next to the water. But at the same time, I'm like, man. But I love, love, love New York during Christmas time. You know, we, besides the double-decker tour, uh, it was December, so it was cold. You know, we froze our faces off on top of the double-decker because we just had to be on top. Um, but it was just, it was so fascinating to see the buildings, the history and all that. Um, and we saw Mace, the Macy's uh, in, is it St. Harold Square? I believe that it, that's where Rockefeller Center is as well. And my number one reason for going to New York, the number one reason in December was because I wanted to see the Rockefeller um, Center to see the tree. Because when Macaulay Culkin was there and he wished upon that tree and it just, the angels that are just, you know, right there in the middle and you stand in the middle and you see the tree and you see the angels with the horns and I don't know what they're called, but oh my God, I just, I could not stop bawling. I could not stop crying because I was like, I, I am here. Like, this is real. And for people that are from New York, I'm sure you see it every day, every week, every season, and it's just nothing to you. But for someone like me who, you know, Never thought in a million years, you know, I, I always say that I have an almost life because I almost get to do the things that I want to do, but it never quite pans out. So when something like this happens to you or like to me, I just get I, so emotional, so emotional that I'm able to experience something like that. And, gr you know, growing up and just having this, this, 
fascination with movies I from New York. I love movies from New York. Any movie that's filmed in New York City, I will watch it because I love looking at, you know, the different places, the places that I went to and just being like, oh, I know where that is. Oh, I know where that is. And it's just for me, if you were to pluck me from here and throw me into a city where I live in a loft, I don't have to drive a car, I would adapt very well. My family, I don't know. I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think Johnny is the city type. I'm, I'm sure he could be if he needed to, but I'd feel a little, you know, selfish with my dogs. Like, they need their yard. Like, you know, it's fine. I think, I think I'm past my prime. I think I'm past the point of where living in the city could happen. You know, I would, it would be a little selfish on my part, I think. But so, yeah, so getting to New York and just feeling that feeling of like pure excitement, it just, really made me appreciate the city that I loved so much as a kid, you know, and it just, it took those five days for me to realize that, that this is my soul city. This is where I think in my other, in my past life. And if you believe in that, you'll know what I'm talking about. But I feel like in my past life, this is where I was at. This was my home at some point. Past life, Vidi lived in New York City. She had a loft, a corner loft, very industrial, still with a dog, but my city dog, you know, working as a dancer, as a ballerina at one of the, you know, Broadway companies or music companies, whatever. And that, that's my life. That would have been my life. I would have been sitting in the corner of my loft with my dog on a Sunday night watching Christmas movies, watching the snow just fall into the city. Like, and I know I'm romanticizing New York City to make it sound wonderful and it is. I mean, there's just there's so many scary things that, you know, could happen in the city and I acknowledge that. I know. It can happen anywhere, you know, things like the, the subway situation, which we did ride the subway when we were there, and that was pretty cool, um, but we stuck mostly to Ubers and cabs, but, but the city has so much history, you know, the, when we think of immigration, um, being here in California, we of course think of the borders of Mexico, of all that stuff, uh, and we... Either we tend to forget or we just don't care that there's, you know, the other part of immigration, the, the Europeans that immigrated to, to the United States. And it was crazy going to um, the Statue of Liberty. And we saw a Statue of Liberty, you know, I think it's Liberty Island. No. Ellis, Ellis Island. Sorry, my bad. We went to Ellis Island. And to see the process of, you know, immigration coming through, like I said, from Europe. And a light bulb went off in my head because we have, we have a pair of brothers uh, who are Dutch, mm -hmm. Mexican Dutch. They're both taken, so leave them alone. Uh, and 
I think I looked through the database of the last name, their last name, and I got a couple of hits of their family. Don't know. I, I mean, I called them, I called one of them, and I told them, hey, dude, like, we're here at Ellis Island. Your family is Dutch. I put your last name in the database, and there's people that pop up. So I'm curious to see if anything happened from that. If not, whatever. But I'm just so curious as to that connection. So maybe I'll ask them. Maybe I'll get them on the podcast. I don't know. We'll see. They're very busy people. But that part was just so interesting to me, seeing that aspect. Just because we've learned, you know, being on the West Coast, we learn about, you know, the immigration situation you know, at the border here in Mexico, you know, TJ, stuff like that, that I don't remember being taught about that side, about the East Coast. So that to me was just so fascinating to see that part of it, you know. And uh, Statue of Liberty is located around the financial district, which is where uh, 9-11 is or 9-11 happened. I was 16 years old uh, the morning of September 11th and I had a, a report to do on Starbucks for my history class. We were all assigned uh, to, ironically, we were assigned uh, a company to monitor on, on Wall Street and my company was, I chose Starbucks because I'm like, at that time, being 16, I was drinking those frappuccino, those mocha frappuccinos. Um, I remember they had came out with a drink. It was like with the, with the little chocolate chips in it. Uh, I would trick my dad to take me to school, but I'd be like, can you take me to Jamba Juice? And in Hawaii, uh, almost every Starbucks is right next to a Jamba Juice. Um, I, it doesn't happen mostly. It doesn't happen a lot here in SoCal. But in Hawaii, it was... You, anytime you found a Jamba Juice, there was a Starbucks next to it. So I'd tell my dad, can you take me to, start, to Jamba Juice so I can get a, a smoothie for breakfast? And I would run into the Starbucks because he didn't like me to drink coffee. No, no idea why. Um, but whatever. So I picked Starbucks. And I was so proud of my report because I had done the, the research. I had done charts. Like I practiced in my room with my sister my sister was just looking at me like what the fuck is she talking about because she was only 12 I was 16 and I remember my aunt my the phone was ringing at about gee I don't know so the planes hit at 8 46 that would be 5 46 LA time and Hawaii time would have been about 2 46 in the morning and my aunt called us my mom's sister and we heard the phone ring, but we're like, oh, like, whatever. Like, it's wrong, wrong, wrong message. And I went to school. You know, at that time, I didn't turn on the news in the morning, so I still didn't know. But getting to school and doing my report, my teacher was, was feeling rushed. I could, I could see it. Like, she was happy I did my report, but at the same time, she was kind of like, oh, let's just get through these kids, like, and their school report, and I'm going to turn the TV on. And sure enough, she turned the TV on after we all did our report. And it was a playback of, of that morning. And we just watched and we're like, is this real? Like, what, what is happening? And 
all day, all day, we just watched it in every single class, watching what was happening. You know, by this time, I want to say it was like maybe 10 in the morning, Hawaii time. So it was already three. You know, the towers had already fallen. Like it was the process of just recovering anybody that they could from the rubble. Um, and it was just, it was just nonstop. And I, w- I got home. And the TV was on at this time. You know, my mom had turned it on. I remember she was washing clothes. And we really didn't say much to each other that evening. We were just still in shock just watching it. And you think, okay, we weren't there. Like, you weren't there, VD. Like, you literally were halfway across the world. Like, like what does it matter? It mattered at that moment because, like I mentioned, New York was is my soul city like I I felt it and me being an empath I I cried I cried every time I watched it I cried for the people that didn't get out I cried for you know the moms the dads the sisters brothers the firefighters like I cried for everyone who had gotten up that day you know thinking about their their problems in their lives or issues and thinking I'll deal with this bullshit tomorrow. I'll deal with it tomorrow. And tomorrow just, it didn't come, you know, people that were jumping from the buildings and realizing that this is, it's either this or I fall with the building or I burn to death with the jet fuel, you know, for those people that were, trapped on the floors above where the planes had hit so I was processing all of that at 16 years old you know just I like I'm like I mentioned in my episode where if you want to go back to listen it's the episode title run where there was an active shooter situation and I mentioned in that episode that I wanted I wanted to help I wanted to help and just like 9-11 I wanted to help. Like I I wanted to just so bad to somebody say, "Do we have any volunteers?" and I was going to be the first one to be like, "I'm I want to go. I want to help." And I remember I wrote I wrote a letter to one of the New York City firefighters. I think it was a certain I forgot what letter it was. Uh and I wrote just basically saying thank you so much for what you did thank you for for your you know unselfishness thank you so much for protecting the people of New York and I didn't expect to get a response back and I did and I think I threw away all of that you know with moving from here and there and I just I regret throwing it away but I'm thankful for the firefighter who took the time to respond and they sent me a postcard and all that. And it was, it was really nice. Um, but the one thing that has, I want to say scarred me in a good way. The one thing that I've never forgotten from that trip to New York was going to the 9-11 museum. Now I know there's, uh, there was one 9-11 museum that, has closed permanently um but this is the one at the memorial where the uh twin towers stood uh the city of new york has made 
that area, uh, they've made it into fountains. You know, where the towers stood uh, is just a fountain, and all around it is the names of all the victims. You know, all the victims, the firefighters, even the women who were pregnant, you know, they honored their unborn child. And there's a spot where I guess you could put, you know, flowers on whoever it is that you're going to leave, you know, flowers for. And I knew it was going to be so somber. And I knew that it was, it was one of those things where you just like, you reflect and you just, you get grateful for number one, not having to go through something like that. But at the same time, I know a lot of New Yorkers don't go visit the memorial because it's just a constant reminder and I don't blame them, you know? So I think, I think us going to visit, keeping the memory of these individuals alive, I think is important. I think it's our job to educate whoever we can on what happened, on who was, whose lives were lost, what we could have done. And they did this memorial in such a good way. Um, underneath the memorial, they still have the, the bottom pieces of the tower that still stands. Like, I think there's one piece of it that's still, they, that they built around it. And it's, it's just, it's so impactful. Uh, if you don't leave that place without crying, I don't, I mean, I, I don't know what to tell you because it's just an attack on our country what that devastated a city it devastated an entire nation it was just it was so impactful like i mentioned but the part for me that was just so so sad was th- all the people that got a chance to call their loved ones from either one of the planes or leaving 911 calls to record their calls to make sure that their family got their last like messages i think by now we all have heard the the Brian Sweeney call where he calls his wife Jules to tell her that he's on a plane and he doesn't think he's going to make it and he tells her he loves her and that she's going to do great things. And it's just, it's, it's one of the saddest phone calls that has stuck with me. And you hear it when you go to the memorial. They have a section where you can pick up a phone. And you can listen to these people saying their final goodbyes. And it sounds so morbid. Like, it's just... Like, why would you want to do that to yourself? But I, I, like I said, I think it's important because these people were looking at death in the eyes. They knew, especially the people in the planes, they knew. And to hear it, you know, preserved for us to hear, to remind us how quickly shit can go down. It's just, like I said, if you don't come out of that memorial sobbing, I mean, you just, you must be dead inside. Legit. 
even Johnny, who is not a crier. I'm the crier, as you can obviously tell. Emily, take another shot, girl. Um, he came out of there the same way because he's like, holy shit, you know? And the memorial itself is sad. Like, there's, uh, they preserved a piece of the tower that's the metal piece, you know, that, that came down. Like, they preserved it. There's a fire truck, uh, that's also preserved there. And when I mean preserved, I mean they kept it the way it is intact, uh, the way that it was picked off off the street and they put it in the memorial, you know. Um, and after you watch, I believe you watch like a, a video and just when you think that it couldn't get any sadder, before you leave the memorial, there's... The last room that you go through, from what I remember, is the outpouring of love. Like, the outpouring of love from everyone around the world, from the U.S. You know, you see the signs of like, we'll never forget, these colors don't run. And it's just, it's a room just filled with absolute gratitude and love. Because we don't know these people. I don't know the victims. You know, I... I pray for them, you know, I think about what they could have been doing in life, but stepping into that room, I was like, wow, dude, like this, this is so impactful, the power that people have, the power, Celine Dion said it, the power of love, like it was just overwhelming, overwhelming, in a good way, in a not so good way. But in the end, I was just like, wow, like, this is history. Like, we know about, we know about Pearl Harbor, right? We know about it. We read it. So when we would, in Hawaii, if you don't know, that's where Pearl Harbor is. But in Hawaii, people that visit Pearl Harbor, like, you see Pearl Harbor, you get to go on the memorial. You see the the um, the people that lost their lives that day it's etched in marble. Um, and it is sad. Don't get me wrong. It is sad. But it's a part of history that we didn't see. It's a part of history we read about. It's a part of history that we watched the movies about, you know? But something like 9-11 happened in our lifetime. Like we all know where we were at when we heard the news. We all know what we were doing. And that's the part that gets me. Like the next generation of kids that were born after 2001 that are only going to read about it and only go to the memorial. I mean, they understand the profound effect that that had on our country. But for us, which I guess we're older millennials, we, were, we weren't there, but it happened during our lifetime, which just makes it that much more, like, impactful. I think I've said that word, like, a million times, but... So, so if you ever get the opportunity to go to New York, please visit the memorial. Please go pay your respects to the 2,977 victims that lost their lives, the 344 
firefighters that selflessly ran into those buildings, for all the people that courageously ran back into those buildings to help whoever they can. You know, like I mentioned, I think a lot of New Yorkers don't go to the memorial because it's just absolutely painful, and I understand. But I think that's where we come in to make sure that that their memory is never forgotten. And I wrote this little poem the other day, which might be great. It might not. (laughs) But I thought that I should just, in my own words, in what I saw and what I felt, just really just, you know, in poem form, uh, express how I feel. Uh, So here it goes. I titled it A Normal Day because we all know that it wasn't. It was anything but. Um, The sun gave way to a most tragic of days that's burned in our memories for life. The lives that were taken, our hearts forever aching, were of sisters, brothers, and wives. The world stood still as each plane hit, the fear and shock in tow. The people of Manhattan stunned, stopped in their tracks, not knowing where to go. The thousands of souls who took their last breath as the towers fell to the ground, each one crumbling, each one falling, making the most deafening of sounds. Run, they yelled as the towers fell, creating a wave of white. The city covered in a blanket of debris, the sky shielded from the light. The towers were gone, the skyline forever changed, the empty lots now stood as graves. For the 2,977 souls who were lost, the pain and sadness hits us all in waves. Each year since then, we remember those lives that we lost, the names each read with respect. The ringing of a bell, the flowers left for the loss, the sadness holding hands with regret. Where the tower stood, a light begins to shine, casting a familiar silhouette. This is our city. These are our people, and we will never, ever forget. How I didn't cry when I wrote this, I don't know. But I just felt, I felt so compelled to just write my thoughts on paper, and that's, that's what happened. That's what came out, and I hope, I hope it didn't sound so bad. <laughs> Let me know. But um, thank you for sticking around. You know, I know this is another emotional episode and I'm trying to keep it as positive as I can, but I hope you understand now why my soul city is my soul city. If you have a place, it doesn't even have to be somewhere, you know, a different state. It could be within our own hometown. Like, where do you feel, you know, that sense of like, I'm home, you know, where is it that you just that you would just love to be at like all the time. Like it doesn't matter, you know, what it costs. You just, you just want to be there. You know, New York will forever be my number one. You know, I just, I felt it in my bones since I was a kid that New York has always been a part of me in one way or another, whether it was watching Macaulay Culkin Home Alone 2 or, you know, watching movies that are based in New York. That's just, that's that's my soul city. It will forever be my soul city. So if you have a soul city, reach out to me. DM me. I want to hear it. I want to hear your story. I love reading your DMs. I love it when you guys reach out. I just, I, I want to know. I'm very curious uh, to where your soul city is and why. 
so if you want to DM me, you can go ahead and do that. I am on TikTok and Instagram at unapologeticmepod. On Twitter, I am unapologeticvr. Go ahead and follow me on all socials, y'all. I'm trying to stay as active as I can and respond to everyone back timely. Um, please do me a favor and rate and review the podcast. I know some of you listen on Spotify, but for those that are on Apple, if you can please take just the two, three minutes to rate and review the podcast, I would greatly appreciate it so I can get into circulation a little bit more. So I appreciate it. You guys have a fantastic uh, day, week, weekend. The temperatures have slowly gone down, which is fantastic. This heat dome is absolutely atrocious and it needs to go away. I love you and I will talk to y'all next week. Bye.